Welcome to Ancient Tools for Modern Living, a podcast dedicated to promoting the use of ancient spiritual and contemplative practices to restore a sense of wholeness, vitality, and connection to our humanity while meeting the challenges of modern day living. The information presented in this podcast is not a substitute for treatment from a licensed healthcare provider. And now, here's your host, Zipporah Gerson Miller, licensed psychotherapist and certified yoga therapist. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Rebecca Hackett. She is a certified yoga therapist practicing out of Los Angeles, California. She also specializes in working with prenatal and postnatal yoga, primarily with women who are struggling with postpartum depression and other postpartum mood disorders. She founded Joyful Path Yoga Therapy in 2013 and has been practicing yoga since 2000 after turning to the practice to strengthen her body following a back surgery in 19. And after that, she was compelled to share the many benefits that yoga can provide by teaching people who have gone through similar health issues. Rebecca is a member of Yoga Alliance and the International Association of Yoga Therapists. She is a graduate of the accredited yoga therapy program at Loyola Marymount University, which is a four-year training program and includes an internship year working with chronic pain patients at the Venice Family Clinic. Rebecca teaches mom and baby yoga, prenatal yoga, toddler yoga, and senior yoga. Rebecca also sees clients privately for either yoga or yoga therapy, creating individual programs based on the person's immediate needs, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? So how Certainly. you yeah, like how you became a yoga therapist and how you got into the field that you're in? Absolutely. Uh it actually started with um a back issue. So when I was a freshman in college, my back went out and uh, within a month I had to have a surgery on one of the discs in my low back. So once that happened um, and I recovered from that, which at 18 years old was fairly quickly, um, I, it, I bounced back very quick, um, got into yoga because it was sort of the only thing that I felt comfortable doing. I knew it wasn't, it didn't cause me any pain. When I was in pain, it made me feel better. Um, so it, it quickly became clear that it was something that would be helpful based on just what I had going on physically. And at that time I was 18, 19 years old. So I think just kind of a saving grace, I discovered it at a younger age, <laughs> um, to guide me through college life and all that good stuff. Um, subsequently I've had two additional back surgeries. So I had two surgeries where they removed a piece of disc that was herniated. And then I have also had a spinal fusion where that disc was ultimately removed. So that all spanned over about I mean, 15 years or something. So my sp spinal fusion was in 2012. And again, throughout all of that time, recovering from or leading up to yoga was sort of the only thing that I could do that made me feel better. Again, it didn't cause me any more pain and it just sort of made it easier to sort of get through what was happening. Um, so it came to me because of a different type of health situation. Um, however, shortly after my fusion, um, I got pregnant. So I now have a daughter who is three years old. And as a result of that experience, um, gravitated into 
focusing on the maternal health. However, why I gravitated into yoga therapy specifically was because of the back issues in my experience in the healthcare world. Ultimately, I was, depending on what was happening, being just sort of sent out to various specialists without one doctor looking at the overall picture, without one doctor saying, okay, you're seeing this person, you're seeing this person, you're doing this, 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 and that, and looking at that whole picture. On the other hand, I also had a therapist, but she was just kind of working with my emotions. I didn't have anybody looking at the whole picture and talking about how emotions affect the body and how those things really connect and go hand in hand together. You really can't talk about physical issues without talking about emotional issues. And you can't talk about emotional issues without talking about physical issues. So I wanted to be able to do both of those things and guide people through similar experiences. And my original background in college is social work. So with a social work degree and then having an interest in sort of healthcare after what I had been through, yoga therapy kind of seemed like a great medium between those two fields. And the idea of yoga therapy really is to bridge that gap between Eastern and Western medicine, mind and body. Um, so I just, I, luckily ended up in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I have a lot in common in that way. You know, I, I also have an, um, a master's in social work and uh, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and have this, you know, specialty in yoga therapy. And I think you're so right that we um, have to look at a person's mind, body, and spirit, you know, holistically. And that's such a beautiful um, aspect of, of the yoga therapy model. So I love that you're bringing those two worlds together and that you found your own healing in that space as well. So mm -hmm. can you tell us how you decided to focus primarily on maternal health specifically? Because that's really like a specialized, you know, area of practice. Absolutely. Um, well, I think it's fair to say that most of us guide our lives based on the experiences that we have gone through. Um, so obviously, as I mentioned, I have a daughter and my husband and I live in California, but we are both from Michigan. So first of all, we live away from our family. We don't have any family nearby us. And second of all, um, as the universe would have it, I actually got laid off right before I got pregnant and nobody ever wants to hire a pregnant lady, unfortunately. Um, even though we're happy to do good work. <laughs> um, so I ended up not working during my pregnancy, which on one hand was great. Um, I was able to take care of my body and I guilt my trip, guilt trip myself a little bit. I wish I would have gone to prenatal yoga, but because of my back and my back history, I spent my entire pregnancy going to physical therapy. So in a way I was still taking care of my body, but as a yoga therapist, there's that little part of me that wishes I would have done more prenatal yoga. I did stuff on my own at home, but I think there's also a clear indication of making sure that you're getting what your body needs. And at that time I wanted to make sure that my back was strong for the pregnancy. And for me, that's what was more important was to have that strength and already having some of those basic yoga skills myself. Um, I opted for the physical therapy route, but what that didn't give me uh, was a sense of community and a sense of connecting with some other women going through that same thing. So had I gone to prenatal yoga classes, I would have met more pregnant women. I would have had more of a community developed before I had my daughter um, than I did. So the pregnancy itself was kind of isolating in that sense. 
And then what they don't tell you is that in general, motherhood can be very isolating as well. So if you don't have the family, um, if you don't have that village, right, that everybody used to have, which is what a lot of us are lacking these days is that village, you have to go other places for that support. And I, I didn't do that for myself. And that I feel like looking back on it was because I didn't try to find something before I had my daughter. So I really tried to talk to women before they're getting pregnant and when they're pregnant so that they can start to establish that community before they have the child. Um, once I did have my daughter without that village, without that family, I was on my own. And like many people these days, my partner works very long hours during the week and a very long day. So during the week, I'm, he sleeps here, but I'm essentially on my own for childcare. And so there were often days where I would go without even talking to him or talking to another adult. Um, just me and my daughter. And again, that's very isolating. So without that connection and social support, whether it was family or friends, you know, it was extremely difficult. And most of us ladies um, identify by relationships and, you know, feel very supported in relationships. And that's how we really connect with people. So I think as a whole, when we don't have that, it's very difficult. So after going through that experience and then postpartum, when I was ready to try to look for some mom and baby yoga classes, there were not a lot of options. So I also ran into, you know, only a couple different options. Maybe they were at times that just didn't work for our schedule, right? Because no matter the age of the baby, the schedule changes. So to have other times to choose from is really important. And, you know, maybe one of the studios that had it, I didn't care for that type of studio or it wasn't my kind of yoga. So there just wasn't a lot of options out there. So I was already a yoga teacher at that point. So as soon as I had my daughter, I looked for a specific prenatal teacher training so that I could get more training in that world and start putting some of those classes out there. So I did a, a training called Ma Yoga and then my yoga has a wonderful setup. It's sort of like a co-op of teachers where she then, the, the woman, Jessica Jennings, supports her teachers and our, we teachers go find locations to teach. So I happened to find a location in um, the local temple where my family uh, does, has, you know, some things that we do there. And they immediately, you know, wanted to have some mom and baby yoga and things like that for the families in their community. So that worked wonderfully. And I liked the idea of, of not being in a traditional yoga studio setting and an idea where maybe there could be more of community support kind of feeling. Um, so that's sort of where it started. And I just wanted to create more times and create more options for the moms in the areas. Um, there are many amazing yoga teachers out there. So to be able to give people the option of exploring different places, exploring different teachers and finding the one that suits them is what I really wanted to try to do is just give mamas some more options. Uh, I think that, you know, what you said is so important about, you know, that support component, that isolation that can happen, like that's such a real thing. And I've heard um, there's a wonderful podcast out there called Mom in Mind, and it's Dr. Jack Kayani. And I mean, after I listened to her podcast, I wasn't even like nearly aware of the amount of postpartum and prenatal mood disorders that women can have and birth trauma and just lack of support and lack of resources. And so it really opened my eyes to 
you know, these issues. And, um, and I think, you know, a lot of the times our, I don't know, we can call it Dharma, we can call it our path, our purpose is born out of things that were missing for us, you know, and that's how we find our path is because we didn't have those things available to us. And so that's, Absolutely. Um, you know, this, this purpose and, and life's work. So can you tell us, so I know your, your um, practice is called Joyful Path yoga therapy, mm. correct? And, correct. Um, can you tell us just, you know, what kinds of services you offer and what kinds of issues do you see come up a lot for your clients? So I originally thought I would focus a lot more on chronic pain patients, which I do see chronic pain patients, but I obviously have started doing a lot more towards the caregiver population. So I have many, I have a prenatal class in the area. I have a mom and baby class in the area. I have a postnatal class in the area. I also have developed a stronger passion for postpartum care rather than prenatal care, Um, mostly because all of the emphasis is put on mom when she's pregnant. Everybody's concerned about pregnant mom. Don't do this, do this, go to yoga, all these wonderful things. But as soon as she has baby, everybody's just focused on baby. You know, um, everybody comes to see the baby. And so when did the baby eat? When did the baby sleep? But nobody's asking mom when she ate, when she slept, when she went to the bathroom, took a shower, whatever. So it is unfortunately. <laughs> and, and, you know, God bless everybody, but they think they're helping by holding the baby when really what we need is somebody to like go switch the laundry or cook me a meal right, or clean right. up the floor or take my dogs for a walk. Let me, let me wash the spit up out of my hair or you take a shower. Yeah. yeah. Something as simple as that. Um, yeah. So somebody just like, it's our well Um, so with, all of that emphasis on prenatal care comes a lack postnatal. I mean, what person's, you know, OB has said, now that you've had the baby, I think it would be a really great idea if you continued going to yoga. Like nobody says that, but everybody says you should go while you're pregnant. So my focus really turned towards the postpartum mom. And as I was seeing these moms come to classes with their babies, just even needing something as simple as conversation um, can completely change the day. And then also noticing just the things that would come up in their bodies. So obviously low back, neck and shoulders, right? Those are the prime mom spots, whether you're pregnant or postpartum. And then postpartum comes all sorts of other things. Mommy's thumb, carpal tunnel, diastasis, recti, pelvic floor issues, um, you know, pelvic bone issues, uh, organ issues, all of these things that can come up. So I actually developed some postpartum therapeutic services ideally for an individual, but also good in a semi-private group setting. Because um, again, I feel like the community is such a large part of being supported through pregnancy and postpartum. So I have these services that I essentially take into the home when a mom is newly postpartum, and then ideally encourage her to then move into a semi-private or group setting. And everything that I work with is also things that are applicable off the mat and in their life, which is then how it can help with some of these, you know, mental disorder areas postpartum. For example, I will, I'll individually, I'll go see a mom at her home and in the first, within the first six to eight weeks. So before we're even going to do any movement, 
the beauty of yoga is the physical aspect is only one of eight pieces of yoga. So there's lots of other things that we can do. So when I see a mom for the first time in her home, the first thing I'm going to do is a well check. How are you? What do you need? What can I do for you today? And if we spend the whole session with her napping, great. She got some self-care in. I don't care what it is. <laughs> um, but from there, we do things like look at how she's moving and her posture. And when you're feeding, how are you sitting? Where are you sitting? And how can we make that more aligned and more comfortable? Um, where are you changing? And how high is that table? And based on that, how can we make that a better standing position so that you're supporting your body in a better way? Um, where is baby sleeping compared to where you're sleeping? How do you need to move during the night to get baby? And can we find a way to carefully move in a way that's not going to either create pain or, or make the pain worse or whatever it may be, or just simply cause you stress, right? Moving, even if it doesn't hurt, is can just be stressful with a little one. So looking for a way to do that as stress-free as possible. So actually looking at her home and how things are set up, not even her, whomever the caregiver is, and just making sure that they can comfortably move throughout the day so that they're protecting their bodies in a safe, safe way. Uh, we also will do breathing practices. So, you know, there's many, many different types of pranayama and I'll pick, I have a couple go-tos that I use for grounding um, because life with a newborn is very chaotic. So as much grounding as we can do. Um, so we do that with breathing practices and also with meditation, mantra work. Um, I'll talk to a mom and, and try to figure out what's, what's something that is the most stressful for you. Maybe it's for one mom, it's putting baby in the car for another, it's changing for another, it's feeding. We all have something right. That's really difficult at the beginning <laughs> throughout it all really, but, and it constantly changes. So can we do something like find a mantra that you can say to yourself over and over while you're changing the diaper and just to help yourself get through it? Because ultimately, if we can calm ourselves, you know, similar to animals, baby pick up, picks up our vibes. And so if we can work on, you know, calming ourselves and being in a place where we can try as much as we can to make our way through it with support of our breath or a mantra or something like that, baby will feel that. And they'll feel that uh, effect, whether it's, you know, reducing that moment or getting through it without actually getting there. That's going to have an effect on baby. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, and if I, if it's okay, if I just jump in, please. Um, I think that it's really important because what you're saying is, you know, this idea of modeling calm, you know, and I think it's so important. I think people really need to understand like the importance of that, you know, how crucial that attachment process is. And if you are able to regulate yourself, then your infant learns how to regulate themselves and they are doing it in kind of a mirror image of you. And that is so important. And, you know, I think moms, you know, I think we just don't as a culture, as a society, I don't think we're quite aware of how severe like postpartum mood disorders can be, you know, and how, mm. you know, how has how much shame new moms feel when they have these like intrusive thoughts. You know, I've heard a lot of women say come forward and say, you know, I have these horrible thoughts like I want to hurt my baby or I want to, you know. Not that they would ever do it, but the fact right. that they even have that thought creates it's scary. It's scary, and it's like there's all this shame, and they're scared to share it with somebody because yes. you know. So, 
Um, I just, I love what you're saying about the, the breath and how yoga can help, you know, really regulate a new mom. And there's, you know, it's regulation within the nervous system as well. Um, beyond just like your lungs. Um, but another really cool thing is, is the effect between mom and baby. So things like if you are told you need to give baby a medication, right. And you blow, there's a blow in their face to help get the swallowing reflex. Well, that's a reflex and that works regardless. So if baby's upset or you're upset, upset, take a big breath, blow it directly into baby's face. That makes them take a breath right. and it makes them swallow and take that next breath. So then you're also making sure that they breathe too, like breathe, calm down. And you can really sort of help that by exhaling into their face. It's like that um, co-regulation. Yes. And we already know that that works with body temperature. That's why we do skin to skin. And that's why we continue to do it for fevers and things like that. Even after, you know, the very beginning to help with that body regulation. Yes, we can do that same thing with the breath and our emotions. Yes, it's very hard to model it all of the time. But that's why everything is a practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a practice. It's a beautiful unfolding process. And then it, you know, it becomes, I think these, you know, these self-regulation, um, you know, techniques through yoga come in handy when your child becomes a oppositional <laughs> defiant toddler, you know, because yes. that's what their job is to trigger you and, and push your buttons and explore the boundaries. So I, I'm very grateful for my practice <laughs> Indeed. as my children go through these different stages. You know, and I, I think so. it goes both ways because I'm grateful, you know, for my practice as well. But I actually put a post up the other day as I was trying to do my practice in the morning, both my partner and daughter came in and ended up doing it with me. And then we were all doing it together by the end. So, you know, there's like, I look for, I'm grateful for my time alone on the mat, but when it ends up with everybody and they're doing it together, I can't be, <laughs> you know, that makes me so happy too, because that is that modeling of behavior. And that's rubbing off on my partner. That's rubbing off on the entire family. So it's, you can see the positive effect of, of yoga and how that has on the family. So, remembering the negative effect and a negative effect of, you know, postpartum mental disorders and how that equally affects the family. Right. So we can, it really goes both ways. So if I can affect my family by ending up with them being on the mat rather than them ending up wanting to try to help mom feel better or, or why I'm crying or cause I've been all those places, I would rather us all do yoga together. <laughs> Right, right. So I mean, when we're talking, you know, just like along this, you know, these same lines, when we think about pre, like postnatal mood disorders, like depression and anxiety, what I mean, just to share with our listeners, what kinds of symptoms are usually present with that? And what should people be on the lookout for? And when would it be a good time to call a yoga therapist? Um, so, so sure. So I think it's definitely fair to say that as a yoga therapist with any issue, we're going to only see somebody after they're out of that initial acute phase of, of things. So I may see a mom as she's figuring this all out in my class that she may have something going on or 
I um, may see a mom and based on what I've shared or what I've talked about, she feels comfortable enough to ask me about it. This is a difficult subject because even if I see symptoms, it doesn't necessarily mean I can be saying something to that mom. But so symptoms that you'll see both pre and postpartum, you know, is feeling overwhelmed, like you can't handle this, just you know, you're, you're not sure if you're going to be a good mother postpartum. You're not sure if you are being a good mother, you should be a better mother. Um, you know, postpartum, you may not feel a, a strong bond with your baby or not have that new baby bliss, which you think you should have. So that's part of the problem is we think, and we're being told that we should feel a certain way postpartum. And then if we don't, something is wrong. And we all feel completely different about everything in life, right? So this shouldn't be any different. Um, but we're, we don't feel these feelings that we think we're supposed to be feeling. Really just being scared and on edge with what's going on. So, you know, as you're pregnant, being scared, being prepared, what do I do about this? I don't know how to find this. We also have such a saturation of information out there that it's extremely overwhelming. And especially to somebody who's never done it before. How, how do you know what to choose? So getting anxiety, you know, about things like that and not knowing what to do is can be very common as well. Just racing thoughts. You can't calm down. You don't know why you can't stop your mind from racing. It's just going, going, going. You're worried all the time, no matter what. So maybe you're worried your entire pregnancy that something's going to wrong, be wrong with baby. And then when you have baby, you're constantly worried if they're okay, something's going to be wrong. Um, did I do this right? Do they get enough food? Uh, you know, have they had enough whatever? I mean, did I feed them enough? And then ultimately feeling disconnected. I mean, feeling like you're a failure, feeling hopeless, deep sadness, can't stop crying and you don't know why, you can't focus or concentrate, um, your eating can be affected, you may not have an appetite, you may not be able to sleep. And then postpartum, there's a whole other side of sort of losing the old you. And while we all go through that postpartum and just sort of figuring out who we are as, as a mother, for some, it can be very difficult to let go of the life that they had or not knowing how to try to find the balance between the two. And again, just having really disturbing thoughts and you don't know why and they won't go away. And even though you know they're unreasonable, but they're still there. Mm. So you know, and, and it also, and then uh, along with that comes physical symptoms, right. cramps, uh, dizziness, shakiness, nausea, restlessness, um, panic attacks, you know, sort of just that going back and forth between like the mania and, and that depression. So even some level of bipolar, you know, can be an issue um, postpartum and potentially even prepartum. So some of the other disorders, which I don't necessarily see as much as like postpartum psychosis, stronger cases of postpartum uh, PTSD. So you did mention PTSD um, and then also OCD. So that can be super magnified, uh, you know, a compulsive disorder, um, whether it's pre or postpartum. So those are some of the bigger ones. So mostly, again, just because of this acute type of situation, I'm mainly going to see moms dealing with depression, anxiety. If I'm working with somebody who has a, a higher level mental disorder, it's as long as they are working with a licensed health professional as well. So it's in conjunction with that. Even though I am a social worker, 
or was at some point and I have that training, a higher level mental disorder needs attention, you know, from more than just one person. So again, mostly it's just postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And then the more pregnant moms I work with seeing, you know, seeing that whether they already have some of that going into the pregnancy or not, you know, some women already have issues with depression, anxiety, and it is enhanced or they never have. And all of a sudden they do. And so really the, the kind of the bigger thing is, is backtracking and how do we tell these women before they get there that there is no should you can feel however you're going to feel that's okay just as long as you're talking to somebody and so even if it just starts with talking to the other moms in your yoga class and so again this this aspect of community is either where you can feel comfortable talking about it to somebody, even if it isn't a health professional yet, talking to somebody who's going through the same thing. So you also don't necessarily feel the worry about being judged about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, because they may feel exactly the same way. And then you have somebody who understands where you are. So even with this backtracking into community and allowing women to feel supported and in a safe space, so that by the time they get there, they are ready to say something if they need to. Right, right. So how are you, um, so with, you know, the depression and anxiety, because I love how you, you know, again, it's about that community. It's about that sangha, you know, that just that community. So how are, what is it about the teachings of yoga that make, um, you know, how, how do you approach the anxiety and depression, like through the lens of our yogic teachings? Is it more, um, are there any specific, um, you know, philosophies that you feel particularly aligned with or any particular, cause I know we have so many texts and, um, you know, just what is it, what components from the model are you, are you bringing in to kind of work with these issues when they arise? I know you mentioned breath and you mentioned mm-hmm. meditation, um, mm-hmm. and self-regulation, anything else? Yes. Um, and it's going to vary from patient to patient. Um, but the, the yamas and the niyamas are really, really big because ultimately through either a yama or niyama, you can almost find one of them that applies to the situation going on. Just, Whether it, sorry, just to interrupt, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just to interrupt oh, you're good. for our listeners who don't know what the yamas and niyamas are, they are our, they're our spiritual code of ethics in yoga. So there's five yamas, five niyamas. Um, the yamas are more about internal constraint and the niyamas are more about our external, um, external, I don't know, how would you say external? I just kind of look at it as the way we treat ourselves and then the way we treat everything else around us. And so that then gives us the space to say, sometimes these things are right here in our control and sometimes they are out of our control. And how can we work with that. Um, also with yoga therapy, we do look at lifestyle. So it's going to boil down to kind of what they, what is their hardest, what are they trying to work on? What is their, maybe the hardest thing they need to work on and then giving them some philosophy to sort of back up the ideas behind it. It's not just, this is why you need to do this. So as a new mom, we tend to be 
really concerned about time for lots of reasons, um, which are all important. We maybe have to get to a doctor's appointment. We are looking at how much sleep baby's getting. We are looking at how long they're feeding. We're looking at how often they went to the bathroom throughout the day. So time is a really big thing. So one of the, let me get this right, niyamas, the one of the ways we treat the outside world is by something called non-stealing sort of, not taking too much. And that includes time. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, we're so worried about time, but on the other hand, we're in this phase where we should be allowing our time to sort of be dictated by what we need to do and what our child needs and shouldn't feel, you know, these feelings, these shoulds, right? I should be there on time. I used to be on time all the time. I should be able to be on time now. No, you don't. You don't, you don't, there's no should, right? Because this is what's happening in your world and that's what's more important. So acknowledging that your own time is important, regardless of what's happening, even if that time being spent is a little bit longer changing that blowout diaper that happened before you left. This is what I'm doing right now. I do have the time for this because it's important. And this is what my time is where it needs to be focused right now. And then on the flip side of that, being able to look at that from the other person's perspective of time. If you were to go somewhere and beat an appointment and then you have to stop and change the diaper, well, then you can look at it as, quote, stealing their time. You're not stealing their time, but you're taking the time away from what you would be doing there. So I feel like what we tend to do as mothers is we want to hurry up and get to what we need to get to. And there's always something that baby needs along the way. But if we slow down and just calmly deal with what's coming our way, that then is taking our time. We've got the time for that. And we're not allowing it to creep into our time with this other person. And, you know, we all want to be on time. For me, I live in L.A. The beauty of being in L.A. is you get here when you get here. I think Santa is the same way. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's everywhere. In New York, you can blame it on the subway. In Atlanta, you can blame it on the traffic. It's, it's, yeah, it's a nightmare. (laughs) And and that also ends up speaking to the outside world. Can they be okay with the fact that this mom is going to stop and take care of her child and take care of what her child needs or that parent or that caregiver before they get to that next place? And can that person respect that? And as a mother now, I'm going to tell every single mom I know not to rush. You get there when you get there. Don't worry about it. Do what you got to do. You need to stop and feed first. You feed. You take care of your child because that ultimately is what takes care of you. If you aren't taking care of your child, because we always put them first, right? We're not taking care of our child. We may feel like then we're not taking care of ourselves. or So if we can look at it as by making sure I'm good, by making sure my child's good, everything else will be fine. Mm-hmm. So we... So we have to teach moms to do that in small little pieces, though. It's a big picture thing, you know, it's it's a big picture. You step back and you see 
you know, if I take care of my child in this moment and I just stop, right? And I take care of my child, which I'm meeting their needs, I'm meeting my needs, and then I'm creating ripple effects in the universe, right? (laughs) Because I am modeling for this child how to take care of themselves because they need yeah. And then whenever you get where you're going, you're in a much better space. You're not this frazzled, you know, overwhelmed. You get there and, and that's like, yeah, because typically yeah. I, I think it's fair to say that's not what most of us want to put out out there. And that's not who we want to be when we arrive somewhere. Or, right. You know, we, we do want to be who we are. Yeah. <laughs> so and I think that you know, speaks a little bit to just kind of like whether the, the that old self or not. It's like if we can just slow down and take care of ourselves, maybe our old self will be able to reemerge for, you know, most most things. Obviously, there's some things we can't do, but you know, we can feel a little bit more in control of our life as a new mother. But the key is teaching parents how to do that. And so one of the things I do is in little tidbits. Um, you mentioned earlier specifically intrusive thoughts, and I, I love the word intrusive, and I use that same terminology for it as well. And, you know, as far as a new parent is concerned or the caregiver, they don't have, nobody has a half hour time to roll out the mat and make it this big, amazing yoga practice, even if that's what they used to do. So creating a breathing practice during feeding times rather than being on your phone or watching a show. Um, I mentioned like mantra work while you're changing the diaper, you know, maybe you're doing a little visualization meditation while you're washing dishes. And then also once a mom is ready to move, coming up with a very short practice that she can do. Like for example, one of the things I do with moms is as simple as hands and knees, child's pose, hands and knees, downward dog. And that's it. Just back and forth between those three poses And even if they did each one one time, that's a minute. You got one minute where you were thinking about something else. So what we want to try to do is create something. So whether it's breathing or moving the body or meditation, a way to shift the focus so that at least for that amount of time, none of these intrusive thoughts are coming in. Mm -hmm. And then ideally, they begin to use these things off of the mat so that throughout the day, they can work on letting less of these intrusive thoughts in. So again, you know, you're saying uh, my, one of my favorites is, is meta meditation, loving kindness. So may I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be at peace? You know, if you have a kid who doesn't like to be put in their car seat and go in the car, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be at peace and put them in the car and, and try to talk yourself through it in that way. That's using yoga off the mat using the breath and moving the body in a safe way to put that child seat in the car is also yoga, right? So explaining to a mom how she can hold her body, like I think I said this earlier, while she's washing dishes and doing all those things, these are the, the ways, the little tiny ways that yoga translates off the mat. So I may give this mom these four poses. If you can do it five times in a row, that's five minutes of yoga and you got your yoga and done, call it a day. (laughs) We're not trying to make a big old long thing. And then on top of that, you're doing these little things that carry you throughout the day and help you make it through the day and ideally over time make you feel better throughout the day. That's how we want to try to eliminate over time these intrusive thoughts and slowly incorporate that self-regulation into the day. So along those lines, like with the physical practice, um, 
are there any specific physical um, just conditions that new moms want to be aware of when they are incorporating asana and postures in? Because I know, you know, with prenatal, it's real clear, like after the first trimester, no um, prone poses, you know, and everything becomes, you know, modified um, to kind of prepare the pelvis and to to kind of loosen everything up, you know, Kapalabhati, contra, you know, fire breath, contraindicates that we know. But as far as postpartum go uh, goes, I know there's a lot of pelvic floor issues that can come up. Um, as well as rectidiastesis. Yeah. Saying it right? Okay. Almost. <laughs> so that <laughs> that is number number one on my list. Okay. Um, di- so there's two ways to say it. you can say diastasis recti uh-huh. or diastasis recti. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, tomato just, tomato. That's like a splitting of the abdominal wall. It, so it's a separation. Yeah. It's separation. a separation of the rectus abdominal muscles. Right, right, right. So basically the, our six pack muscles yes. or the eight pack muscles. Right. The superficial layer. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that happens from the intra-abdominal pressure, but that can happen while you're pregnant. It can happen while you're pushing. It can even happen postpartum. It can also change postpartum. It can also happen to men. Mm-hmm. So it's not um, mutually exclusive to women, which is a, a nice little thing to hear sometimes, but they can deal with it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is very common and it is absolutely fixable. The big thing that I notice is that women at six or eight weeks or whenever they're cleared for movement by their doctors, their doctors most of the time are not checking them for it, letting alone even telling them that it's something that exists. If you don't know, and if you have it, that's something you want to take care of. Um, so oftentimes I, I, what I hear the most of the time is that women don't, aren't checked for it until they go to a yoga or fitness class. I know most fitness instructors are trained to check for it as well and work with it. Um, that's where people tend to learn about it, unfortunately, is is that they're so if you don't make it to a yoga or fitness class, you may not know. Um, so I do know how to check for it. Most instructors do. There's a lot of things that you can do with that. So one of the that's also in my first visit with a mom in her home. And as I'm, as I'm going to tell her about DR, I'm going to test her for it. And then based on whether or not she has it or how severe it is, we're going to talk about what to do about it. What are some basic exercises you can do? We may talk about a belly band to wear during activity. And then again, you know, what you can do. And then also what you can do with the breath. So there's ways you can use the breath that as you are exhaling, engage the transverse abdominal muscles in a way that, you know, encourage this coming back together motion of the abdominals. So, going back to talking about posture, using breath through your movement. So for example, I'm going to tell a mom how to exhale in a way that engages her transverse abdominal muscles. And then that's what she's going to do when she's picking up her child. She's going to exhale in that way as she picks up the baby. She's going to exhale in that way as she puts the car seat into the car, as she lifts the car seat out of the car. So I think the beauty of the breath is we actually can strengthen our abdominal muscles just with our breath. So I also want to, I also try to make it clear, like the power we have to strengthen our body just with our breath. So you may not be ready for yoga, but let's start with the breath and we're going to start to support your spine and to, you know, get to those deep abdominal core muscles and get back to supporting your body. So that's one of them. Uh, mommy's thumb and carpal tunnel is another big thing. And so that means a lot of women can't be on their hands for a long period of time. So, you know, you may have to tell mom to go onto forearms. She may need to have on her hands on a wedge, on a blanket for extra padding, or she might not be able to be on her wrists at all. 
you need to be ready to have a practice for somebody who can't use their wrists in that way. Pelvic floor issues, organ issues, so prolapsed bladder, uh, prolapsed uterus, pelvic floor dysfunction, you know, some of those are more severe. So ideally, somebody would be working with a physical therapist as well. I'm going to, you know, have that mom working a lot with pelvic floor stuff and things to, you know, with prenatal, we want to, we focus on going down and out. Postnatal, we focus on coming up and in, no matter what, no matter if you have an, you know, a postpartum physical issue or not. Ultimately, I am going to modify a postpartum mom. I'm going to modify everybody exactly the same, whether you have diastasis recti or not, up until about three months postpartum because we just want to be careful with the body. So I don't care if you are two months out, we're still not going to do these full crunches yet. And we're not going to do full planks and chaturangas yet. Be easy on the body. So it also really does boil down to a teacher having a knowledge of some of these random post mommy issues, because there really is kind of too long of a list. And even still after doing this for a few years, I still hear of new issues that I've never heard of before. And you don't know them until you've met somebody who's had it. And it's not even like there's a list you can look up. I mean, it seems like there should be. But at the same time, that might not help somebody. (laughs) Um, So it is having an idea of this training and what these potential issues are and just being ready to work with a mom who can't be on her wrists or work with a mom who can't be upside down or work with a mom who, you know, has severe diastasis recti and needs to not severe, but a lot of modification to make sure that she is safe. I think it's also fair to say that in a postnatal class, I always have a couple different things going on based on what that person needs, which is why at the beginning, individual sessions are great because then you can really target that body, that person and exactly what they need. And I want to make very clear that postpartum therapeutic services aren't just for women. They're for anybody who's doing the caregiving, anybody who's sitting and feeding, anybody who's changing, anybody who's moving that baby around in the car seat, your body is having those same effects. So it's still just as hard on the body, even if you aren't the mother or the one who actually carried the child. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who adopt and have surrogate parents. Postpartum, you have that new baby, you're still going to have some of those things come up in your body and some of those things come up in your mind. So it's, it's certainly not exclusive to somebody who actually carried the baby. And I think that also makes it clear that this translates into a whole family thing. And if I get the ability to be in home with a a caregiver, at least one of the sessions, I ask that the partner be there so that they can hear not only the benefit for their partner and the primary caregiver, but also get those same benefits and then ideally practice that as a family and have that translate into whole family health. Oh, I just, I love what you're saying. I love what you're sharing. And I, I just wish that I knew you when I was pregnant and could have gotten some one-on-one consultation. And I think what you're saying is so important. And we, as a, as a culture and a society, we really need to hear these things. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and expertise with us today. Can you tell our listeners where we can find you? So, you know, include your website, any social media handles, um, any upcoming events, workshops, things that you have in the LA area. I would love to do that. Thank you. Um, my website is joyfulpathyogatherapy.com. 
my Facebook page is Joyful Path Yoga Therapy. Instagram is just Joyful Path Yoga. On my website, I have a weekly schedule. I am a part of an amazing program through Loyola Marymount, which is where I did my yoga therapy training. And they have a four-level program, and we are creating a level five right now, which is a focus on a clinical rotation um, at the Venice Family Clinic, specifically for mental health. So they've done some work there for chronic pain. But so this is for students. We're going to have six students in the fall. We're going to be seeing patients at the Venice Family Clinic, which is a a very um, it's it's the closest thing to a free clinic in the in the nation. There's no, I guess, technical free clinics anymore, but it's the closest thing. So it's a very underserved population and who absolutely need these services. So that's starting in the fall. So if you're a certified yoga therapist already, um, you can take that program and that information's on the Loyola page. And the last wonderful thing that I'm doing is I'm a part of this group of my yoga teachers. And in September, we are launching an online platform for pre postnatal and family yoga classes for people who just can't get to a studio. So I'm one of 10 uh, pre postnatal teachers in the Los Angeles area. And we are just filming, filming, filming meditations, practices, again, for, for people who just can't make it to the studio. So that's launching in September, myyogaliving.com, and um, just trying to, to get this out there to as many families as possible. The more that we can utilize these other modalities, these ancient tools in a modern way is just absolutely beautiful. So I love what you are doing as well and, and just connecting these two things because um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, I will definitely include all of this information in, in the show notes so that listeners can, can have a look and, and hopefully get some good resources. So thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. I truly appreciate being here. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Rebecca is so knowledgeable on how to support moms through the practice of yoga therapy. I really loved how she emphasized the importance of community, especially for moms struggling with postpartum depression. I think it was Swami Satyananda that said that community is the most important component of yoga, and I think the importance of community is really a universal truth that applies to all populations. I really loved her use of applied alignment to support moms as they go through the daily tasks of changing diapers, feeding, taking the car seat in and out of the car. And it's really amazing how just a few subtle shifts in um, a person's alignment can really make a world of difference um, on how we feel in our bodies. And I also really loved her use of the yamas and niyamas and the importance of just slowing down and changing our relationship to time. So I wanted to leave you with this quote um, that comes from the Buddha, which I thought was pretty appropriate for today's conversation. Like a caring mother holding and guarding the life of her only child, so with a boundless heart of loving kindness, hold yourself and all beings as your beloved children. So until next time, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be free from suffering, and may you know peace. Namaste. Namaste.